welcome everybody. So excited to be here today with Pastor Jim Leggett at Grace Uh, Fellowship. (laughs) Hi Jim, how are you doing today? Doing well. It's week five of Coronaville. (laughs) That's right. And we're doing uh, thriving and everything's going well, so that's a positive side. (laughs) Well, Jim, how long have you been the pastor at Grace Fellowship now? Coming up on 24 years. Uh, we launched September 1996 at the Great Southwest Equestrian Center. It seems like wow. forever ago. <laughs> lots of changes. Lots of changes. Sure. Well, so stepping into the moment now, as we're talking about lots of changes, um, Tell me, when you started hearing about the shutdowns, the stay-at-home orders, you're beginning to see all this stuff happening uh, around us, what was happening with you, just personally, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, what was going on with you? Sure. So, well, when it all started happening, I was resistant to it. I, uh, I didn't want it to happen. Uh, I wanted life to go on as normal and felt like everybody was running around with their hair caught on fire <laughs> unnecessarily, and I was wrong. Uh, and uh, so I was a slow adopter in terms of really realizing what we're in the uh, middle of. Um, and then all of a sudden I realized, okay, it's time to lead. It's time to lead. But personally, uh, I'd say, you know, these last five weeks have been um, – a time of very energizing adrenaline flow. You know, you get in leadership mode and the adrenaline flows. And so high level on that. Uh, and then yet, uh, that's also draining. Operating on adrenaline for that long is draining. And so it seems like the last five weeks for me have been a combination of brave heart and goodwill hunting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just brave heart and give them the speech to the troops and then you're meeting with robin williams in the in the counseling office and you know just wow i'm i'm drained and then braveheart speech again and then goodwill hunting again Uh, so that's that's kind of been my experience uh you know my wife lisa and i've been married for 32 years and uh i think this has been a neat time uh for us uh lots more walks together um so our personal life schedule has been less busy because you mm. there's you know everything personally social calendar gets canceled so just lots of walks together i've really really uh, enjoyed uh that and then our fourth grandchild was born in the middle of this so little jonathan james leggett was born on april the third seven pounds seven ounces and just awesome little guy and honored that his middle name is my first name (laughs) congratulations yeah really excited about that and um be honest we were nervous about that a baby being born Mm. in a hospital in the middle of all the corona stuff and uh yet uh everything came out okay and uh jonathan's okay and his mom ingrid's okay and uh so uh, all that's been going on and then you know in the midst of all this also my 84 year old mom her ovarian cancer came back and uh, so we've been walking through that with her Mm. and that's hard that's really really hard Uh, and she initially made a decision to fight it 
And then she just actually on Thursday night of Holy Week, she says she had a Garden of Gethsemane moment. It feels like the Lord told her to not do chemotherapy. And mm-hmm. so she announced that to us. And um, and so that's been just been swallowing that news, partly relieved because uh, I don't want my mom to hurt. Yeah. Uh, chemotherapy is tough. Uh, and then also just sad because, you know, short of a major miracle, you know, it probably means we just have a few months left with my mom. So I'm treasuring everything with her. Stir all that in a pot. <laughs> it's brave heart meets good goodwill hunting. <laughs> well, thanks for your honesty. <laughs> uh, well, so let me ask you this: We have an amazing opportunity in our city, specifically, to walk together closely together with a lot of different pastors and ministry leaders, and and the church in Katy. And what would you say that you're seeing? How are you seeing the church respond right now? Sure. Man, the church is blazing in glory and beauty. She's uh, So I'm talking about all the churches now. It's just fun watching all the fellow pastors out there rise to their brave heart moment and lead well and lead courageously and minister to the people in their churches, but minister to our community. And then watching the pastors of the city band together in prayer. And so I've just been loving these Wednesday 20 minutes of prayer at 12:20, five different pastors uh, every Wednesday uh, leading our whole community in prayer and roughly 600 people join us every Wednesday to pray for our city, pray for our nation and and so I just I'm just proud, good proud of our the body of Christ in West Houston Katy and, and her response in the midst of this and then you know and then in my own, flock and the leadership there just watching them have their brave heart moments and and rise to the occasion and just student ministries knocking it out of the park children's ministries knocking it out of the park prayer ministries knocking it out of the park care ministries knocking it out of the park and just ministering well and so i think the bride of christ is is shining well in the midst of a difficult crisis yeah uh, she's she's beautiful the bride is beautiful so. so, Cassidy, I lost you on volume. I can't hear you. Okay, am I back now? Yep. Okay. Yeah, my internet is splotchy as well, so... Uh, all right, we'll start here, okay? Yep. So we went through Harvey together and watching the church respond, I mean, it really did uh, uh, show the Bride of Christ operating together. I know you were a huge part of that with uh, many churches in our city, and um, it's been an amazing time these last uh, you know couple years in our city to watch God. I know we've been praying for revival you know, uh, for a long time in this city, and what would you say, Jim, that you're hearing the Father saying right now? Sure. Yeah, so it's interesting. You, when you went back to Harvey, I'd go all the way back to 9-11. So I've been in Katy for 24 years, and I was just thinking and praying about this. In my 24 years here, the body of Christ has walked through 9-11. We've walked through four hurricanes, Rita, Katrina, Ike, and then Harvey. And then we've walked through the recession of 2008. And... And I just look back at all that and go, wow, 
that's a lot of crises in America and a lot of crises in, in West Houston. And, um, and yeah, one of the things that occurred to me is, okay, this isn't our first rodeo and this isn't God's first rodeo. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and not only are we going to make it through this, uh, but I think we're going to thrive. God's in each of those crises I named God's used, you know, the Romans eight twenty eight, Genesis fifty twenty. God's used each of those crises to, um, make us more and more like Jesus. You know, the, the picture in first Peter chapter one of the refining fire mm-hmm. and as you heat gold up, the impurities rise to the top and the refiner scrapes it, the impurities off the top. Then he heats the gold up more and more impurities rise to the top and the refiner scrapes those impurities off mm-hmm. and the refiner knows that the gold is pure when the refiner can look down at the gold and see his reflection. And so, I think Jesus looks down at us and has seen his reflection uh, more and more and more. You know, what is the Spirit saying to the churches? That's the language of the book of Revelation. A couple of things that I've been hearing him say. One is trust me. Um, you know, in the midst of uh, this crisis, clearly I think the Spirit's saying trust me. Uh, trust me and just my heart slows down even saying those words just trust me i think the spirit what's the spirit saying to the church i think he's also saying slow down um slow down um a third thing i think the spirit is saying to the church at least he's saying it to me is learn to play the trumpet (laughs) and let me explain that um so about the time Corona was hitting in mid-March. Just in my daily quiet time, I I read through the Bible in a year. I was in the book of Numbers. And in Numbers, God commands Moses, I want you to make two trumpets. And you're going to use these trumpets to uh, signal the congregation of Israel. And if you blow the trumpets this way, that means it's time to break camp and start marching. If you blow the trumpets this way, it means it's time to make camp. If I, if we blow the trumpet this way, uh, then that means uh, there's an enemy approaching. It's time for war. And if you blow the trumpet this way, that means it's time to celebrate a festival. And, uh, and so then you flip your Bible over to 1 Corinthians and chapter 14, he's talking about spiritual gifts. But he makes this statement, he says, and he uses the word trumpet, how will the people know unless the trumpet sound is clear? Mm. And, uh, and so I think one of the things that the Spirit's saying to the leaders of the church is learn to play the trumpet. Uh, learn to make clear trumpet signals uh, as, you, as you lead the church. And so that's something God's been talking to me about. And then... It was confirmed. So I just told you the Bible study part of that story. So then um, the prophetic team at Grace Fellowship gathered around a few of us and just spoke prophetic words to us. And and so no talking ahead of time before that. This uh, one guy comes and he lays hands on me and, uh, and he says, I don't know what this means, Jim, but I think the Lord's saying to you, blow the trumpet. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and he had no idea of all that I just shared with you. And uh, so what's the Spirit saying to the church? 
I think he's saying, learn to play the trumpet and uh, blow uh, the trumpet. And then one more thing I hear the Spirit saying to the church is, uh, is revival's coming. And um, I want to tell you a story that gives me goosebumps. So about two weeks ago, I was on a Zoom call with 10 pastors in greater Houston. And it was a great time of just sharing uh, best practices of how we're responding to the Corona deal. And Greg Mott, the pastor at First Baptist Houston, shared a story that I haven't been able to, to shake. Um, so he came to First Baptist Houston about 15 years ago. He was at Breakaway before that. And he said one of the first things he did when he got to First Baptist Houston and became their senior pastor is he's, he sat down and he began to study the history of First Baptist Houston. That's a smart thing to do. You want to know the story of the church that you're getting ready to pastor. But not only did he read the written history of the church, he also asked for the statistical history of the church. And so they, they handed him 150 years worth of statistical data. Like, wow. <laughs> First Baptist Houston's been around since 1841. <laughs> uh, just let that soak in. And so he plotted out the statistical history of church attendance, membership, and profession of faith baptisms. And then he studied it and he would just begin to ask questions. So he'd see a spike in worship attendance and membership right there. And he'd turn to some people and say, okay, what happened in the history of First Baptist Houston at that spike? And they're like, oh, that's when we moved into a new building in downtown Houston. You say, okay, well, what about this spike? What When there was an increase in attendance and membership right here, what happened there? Uh, that's when we moved from downtown Houston out to West Houston, 610 and I-10 Loop. And uh, he's like, okay. And so he just kept asking that question about different spikes. But there was one spike that nobody could explain. So in 1919, there was a large spike in profession of faith baptisms at First Baptist Houston. And he'd asked somebody, okay, what happened here? And they scratched their head and like, I don't know. And he asked somebody else, what happened in 1919? I don't know. What caused all these profession of faith, proportionally maybe the greatest number of profession of faith baptisms in the history of our church? And nobody could answer him. Finally, he asked one of the oldest members in the whole church of First Baptist Houston. And this old matriarch, said, oh, I can tell you what happened. That was the tail end of the Spanish flu pandemic that happened from 1918 to 1920. That is right there. And so Greg heard that 15 years ago, and he couldn't really process it. Uh, but then he remembered it. God brought that to his mind when Corona hit, and all of a sudden he took great hope, and I take great hope. It's like, wow, okay. Spanish flu pandemic of 1918, 500 million people worldwide got the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. 17 million people died. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes that. Nobody. I don't like that. But I take great hope that some kind of revival broke out and we have evidence of it at First Baptist Houston, a large spike of profession of faith baptisms. And so 
then all of a sudden I just start praying uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. We've heard of your great fame, Lord, what you've done in the past, what you did at the tail end of the Spanish flu epidemic. Do it again in our day, Lord. Do it again at the tail end of, of Corona. Uh, so I think that's one thing that, that the Spirit's saying uh, to the church. Uh, so good. Thanks for sharing that. Mm. Jim, would you take three minutes and just directly speak to believers, the bride of Christ? Yeah. So, Psalm 84. Um, yesterday I was reading Psalm 84. It's one of my favorite psalms. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord God Almighty. My soul longs and even faints for the courts of the Lord. And I've read that psalm 150 times. Uh, it's just a great psalm. But I was reading it yesterday, and I decided to dig deeper and perhaps at a different angle than I'd ever dealt before in Psalm 84. And so it was written by the sons of Korah. And so I just began to do some background research and learned that the sons of Korah were somehow stuck in northern Israel and couldn't travel at all or very often to Jerusalem to be at the temple. And and so many of their psalms, uh, they talk about their longing to be in God's mm. presence in the physical temple in Jerusalem. And again, I've read that 150 times. I've always, it's ministered to me because Lord, my heart longs to be in your presence, which I think the courts of the Lord symbolize. But the literalness of that psalm ministered to me in a fresh way. Because uh, for the fast, past five weeks, I haven't been able to gather with the people of, mm. of my local church in a church building and yeah. worship corporately together. Yeah. And so it just takes on a whole new meaning to say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord God Almighty. My soul longs, even faints, to get back, in, literally, into physical church with the people of my tribe, the people that I gather with normally on a weekly basis. I just miss them. I miss their faces. I miss, I miss the corporate expression of worshiping together. And, uh, and so... It's causing my heart to yearn like the sons of Korah in Psalm 84. Better is one day worshiping corporately together than a thousand days if I was the CEO of Starbucks or the CEO of Google. Uh, man, I want to be back in the courts of the Lord. And so I'm just allowing encouragement for believers out there. Allow that longing to well up within you and allow that passion to well up within you. Pray Psalm 84 back to the Lord and just say, my soul longs, even faints, to be back together with the corporate body. And um, I don't know, just th th there's something healthy about allowing that longing to express itself and to groan. Um, I think it takes our passion and worship up eight notches if we'll allow ourselves to feel that. So I think I think that would be one thing I would say. And then uh, two other things uh, speaking to the hearts of believers. Um, 
One is Joshua 9.14. So David is our model. Uh, and David inquired of the Lord, Lord, do you want me to attack the Philistines? I mean, you read that at least six different times. David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. Joshua 9.14, when the Gibeonites came to uh, Joshua and said, let us make a covenant with you. And they were deceiving Joshua because uh, Joshua wasn't supposed to make any covenants with anybody, but deceived them to think that he was, they were people from way far away. And Joshua 9.14 says, and, and Joshua did not inquire of the Lord. Hmm. And, uh, and so the Gibeonite deception occurred. And, um, and so I, just encouragement for believers more than ever, let's stop and inquire of the Lord about each decision. Uh, let's be like David and inquire of the Lord about each decision. And then one more encouragement for believers, uh, Luke 12, 40, uh, be, be ready. I just think it's time. It's a time to be watchful and to be ready, uh, just like a servant waiting for his master to return. So Luke 12, 40, uh, be watchful, be ready. Those would be encouraging words that I'd speak uh, to believers. So good. So good. Jim, you know, it's interesting. The Lord had been laying on my heart for a while, uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And uh, in the passages, this is the way it says, it says, discover creative ways, right, to mm-hmm. encourage others to acts of compassion. And it's like, oh my gosh, God is like literally all, all of us right now. We're discovering creative ways. I'm literally watching this scripture happen right now before our eyes and also seeing the body responding to it. I have a friend uh, in Florida. Um, He's uh, on a uh, media team and they have uh, three campuses and they're like uh, 11,000 members, right? Mm And um, he was telling me, this was last week before Easter, that their Sunday services, that's 11,000 over three uh, uh, campuses, right? Their Sunday services had had over 47,000 viewers Mm. on their stream for the past two Sundays. Their Wednesday prayer meeting and prayer service was 400 at one campus, they've had over 11,000 logging on to watch. And so he was so encouraged. He's like, dude, when was the last time in Florida regularly did 11,000 people come together to pray? And what an amazing thing that's happening right now is we're seeing not only as pastors that revival is coming, but as the bride of Christ, like you said, there is a lot of hope that's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about that, that first Baptist Houston story that I shared. You know, imagine, I don't know, 30 years from now or 100 years from now, if Jesus hadn't come back yet, somebody looking back in history and saying, what in the world happened in 2020? And it'll take an older person to say, oh, I'll tell you what happened. That's when the coronavirus hit and all these things happen. Yeah, let's. Let's stay awake, Cassidy. Let's not miss <laughs> the party that God's throwing, the revival that God's throwing. Yes. It's so, good. good. Last question for you, Jim. Um, take some few moments to speak to pastors and ministry leaders that we walk with, our friends. Uh, a word of encouragement during this moment. Sure. Um, so I think I'm just going to repeat myself, if you don't mind. Um, 
I, I think what the Spirit is saying to the church, and therefore especially to leaders, is let's trust God, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. Hey, let's trust God. Let's slow down. Uh, allow yourself some margin to slow down, be with God, be with people. Leaders, let's learn to play the trumpet <laughs> and let's make our trumpet signals uh, uh, clear. Um, and then let's be ready. Let's be watchful like the servant waiting for his master. So leaders, let's be let's lead the way in being ready and being alert. And then I'll add one more thing. And the Lord spoke this to me the other morning. Again, just reading through the Bible in a year. I came across Luke 8.39. It's the story of the... Uh, man possessed with legion and Jesus uh, delivers him casts the demons out they go into the pigs um, and then I, I saw I saw two words there that I'd never seen before uh, the man wanted to travel with Jesus and um, Jesus said uh, no you can't travel with me instead I want you to go home and tell your family all that God's done for you. Mm. I've read that a hundred times, and for some reason, I, I didn't notice the words "go home." Mm. Uh, that he, he didn't say go to the synagogue. He didn't say go to your village. He said go home and tell them all that God's done for you. And so I would just speak to leaders and say, let's start with our own families in sharing what God's doing inside of us. Start with your spouse, start with your children, your grandchildren, and share all that God's uh, doing for you. That's what I would share uh, with, with leaders right now. Go home and tell your family uh, what God's uh, doing uh, for you. That's what I'd share. Thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. I, I am honored, man, to walk in our city together. And I really do believe, as we all do, that the greatest days of the church is ahead of us. So thank you, Jim. God bless you. Amen. God bless you, Cassidy. Lord, come soon. <laughs>